I would say good morning, but we've already done that. Uh, got the, the infamous text last night saying Dad wasn't feeling good this morning. And so I said, well, I don't think I'm going to text Davey and ask him to come up with a message between now and then. Uh, we already knew what the answer would be. Um, but just thankful to be here. I love speaking here at Gratis. Um, that's no secret. And so as I was thinking in my, you know, sleep and, and the, such an exorbitant amount of time to prepare for this morning, you know, it's one of those things that sometimes there's messages and there's, there's uh, truths in your life that you don't have to prepare for because you've lived it and you can speak about it all the time. So I was like, well, let's just go that way. And uh, this one is definitely, is, uh, I, I learned this from my father at an early age. And in fact, my boys are getting at the age now where he started beating this into my brain. And uh, back in the day, I used to, to love the San Francisco 49ers. This was back when Steve Young, Jerry Rice, this was the good old days of football. And uh, so that was, a, that was just a good time of cheering for them and of course, Philip, my brother, uh, at the time, it was just us two boys, he would cheer for the Green Bay Packers because it was always basically Brett Favre versus Steve Young. That's what I grew up with, and that's kind of what we um, would would do. And so we, we, we were rivals intentionally. And uh, So on San Francisco's hats are the letters. Anybody want to help me out here? SF, that's right. San Francisco. And on the hat or on the jacket, I actually had this really expensive, like, sports jacket. You know, the big poofy ones that you used to get in the 90s? Like, the, you know, it was just, you know, it was awesome. And uh, I had this massive San Francisco jacket, and it was just fantastic. And Dad used that as a very um, teachable moment for me. And so, he said, SF doesn't stand for San Francisco. And, of course, I'm, you know, seven at the time. And I'm like, yes, it does, Dad. I'm not stupid. I know everything. I'm seven. And uh, which is where, right where Caden is right now. So it's kind of fun to see. And so he said it doesn't stand for that. It, it also can stand for seek first. And I was like, okay. And, he, and at, from a very early age, he taught me Matthew 6 passage. And that's what we're going to talk about today. And I'm going to explain how this will um, apply to graduates specifically. I'm just going to read the end of it, and then we'll come back into it. But uh, the verse says very specifically in Matthew 6, 33, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So I was seven, and every time I put that jacket on, I always thought to myself, Seek first, SF. Now, I'll be honest with you because some of these things are starting to gel with me literally right now on the spot. Until now, you know, when we went to adopt Nora, she was from San Francisco. So how crazy is that, that, you know, I love San Francisco 49ers as a kid. We go and adopt her from San Francisco area. Um, and so that's just kind of cool to see that. And seeking God first, I can see how that applies to our life. Um, so this morning, the message is called First, and I thought this was the cutest absolute picture I could find that would help identify what we're trying to talk about this morning, but I mean, look at that baby. First of all, the baby is absolutely adorable, 
I wish I would, I could dress like that. Um, but the baby hasn't taken a step up the stairs yet, right? And when you're that child's age, looking all those steps can be super intimidating. And as I was thinking about those graduates this morning, whether it's high school or college, that there's a lot of first things that are about to happen. Maybe it's your first big boy job or big girl job. Maybe it's the first time that you're going to pay a bill in your entire life. Maybe it's the first time that you move out of the house. You know, there's a lot of firsts. Um, In fact, I mean, when I say first in your life, there's a lot of firsts that happen in life. Um, And the truth is, is that we're always, and I mean always, going to be through changes inevitable. So there's going to be a lot of firsts. Um, When I say the word first and you're thinking of your life, what is something that comes to mind for you? Come on. First grandchild. Okay. You're welcome. (laughs) All right. Anybody else? First car. Yeah. 85 Chevrolet Silverado, that red one that dad drives. That's the first one I had, which I had to pass the driver's test in, by the way. No power steering. I can relate to some people in the room. Um, What else? What's another first? First house. Anyone else? First love. He's he's really trying over there. First and last. I, I heard Dad one time say, "This is my first wife." Talking about mom, and he's like, "It's my only wife." <laughs> oh, you gotta be careful because now there's like sister wives TV shows and stuff like that. So, here's some other firsts. I mean, sometimes firsts are positive, right? So, first step. First cry, uh, first real night of sleep. Can I, I mean, I'm right there right now with the kids. Um, first time swimming by themselves without floaties. First time jumping off the diving board. First time that you're, you're in that new car and you have the, the license to go anywhere you want. And I don't know if it was about you or if you had some gl- glamorous plan, but I got it and I went, well, doggone, I can go anywhere I want, but where am I going to go now? Anybody else feel that way? And so I, I just went to my friend's Parker, Parker house, and I, I, just, I literally just got in my truck, and it was, he, he lives in Carl, and I just drove over there and just said, hey, and got back in the car and turned around and went home. And, uh, you know, so the firsts are really interesting, but there's also some negative firsts. First time at Christmas without your loved one. Or first time on Mother's Day. First time losing a significant family member. First time getting a past due notice. First time losing a job. First time breaking up with someone. First time hearing bad news for the first time. There's a lot of firsts in life. And you think that you're past them, right? You think, oh, I'm past all the firsts, but then you have new firsts, such as first time being at home alone after all the kids have graduated, or first time getting to go on a date after the baby's born. Like We had that this last weekend, thanks, David and Tammy. Uh, that was the first time we were able to get out of the house, and praise Jesus, glory, hallelujah, that we had a few hours to ourselves. Or, you know, the first time that you have to really go see the doctor because you don't want to. 
There's lots of firsts in life. And so as I was thinking about this idea of seek first, there's a couple things that came to mind. And I'm glad that Dad taught this to me as an early age. And I think it's important not just to seek first God's kingdom, but what does that really mean in our own life? Does it mean, you know, you wake up in the morning and open up your Bible and, and start reading the word right then? Yes, yeah, some of us, that's what that means. But I also think that it's a mindset. It's a heart positioning of our heart to make sure that we are actually seeking first God's kingdom. So I wrote down some ideas, and we're going to expand this verse. We'll go back and read the beginning of it. But what I want to say before um, we put this slide up is this, that we are really good at coming up with our own way. Okay? Anybody in here stubborn? Okay. Yeah. Let me ask you this. Anybody, who's a planner? Who's a planner in the room? Raise your hand. Okay. So, yeah, the spouses are raising their people's hands for them. Um, so those in the room, like if you saw your significant other or family member raise their hand as a planner, you need to look at them and just realize that you have to prepare to prepare. Like that's just how that works. Um, so this passage is really going to hit the planners in the room. Uh, in, in fact, when I went to Bible Gateway and, and printed this off, um, the section title is Do Not Be Anxious. So I'm assuming that most of the planners in the room do struggle with some sort of anxiety because you are thinking about every possible scenario that possibly could hit. And I'll, I'll stop talking about that so that that way you'll listen at least to the rest of what I'm about to say. So verse 25 says this, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, ladies, or what you will put on, again, ladies, it's funny because eat and drink, that's what usually the guys are thinking about, and then it's almost like they know. Is life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things, all the things that he just mentioned a minute ago, will be added unto you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Okay, so what, why, Caleb, are you talking about this right now? Well, I'm just thinking about what I was like when I graduated high school or what I was like when I first uh, I left my college campus. And high school, you have the, the celebration. I mean, literally, some schools have it to where 
like your last day of school, you walk through the tunnel and everybody's chanting and it's just really cool. And then you have your graduation and it's really cool and everybody's chanting. College is totally different. Like I literally walked away from college, last class, last time I was going to see a lot of these people forever in my life. And it was just like, what? You know what I mean? Like you walk, you walk, I was in the parking lot. I remember it like it was yesterday. And I guess this is exactly what went through my mind. I guess I said, well, I guess that's it. (laughs) There was no party. There was no, I mean, you know, we did the family thing, but like when I walked away from the classes, it was just like I was in a parking lot and there was another guy and I was trying to have this cool moment with myself and he just got in his car and drove away. And I was like, where's my movie ending? And then as I was graduating, I was sitting there thinking, how am I going to provide money for a family? How am I going to be able to, you know, build my credit score so I can get approved for my own loans and pay for all the stuff that I have and get my first home and the dream home and the first job and all these things? And what am I going to do and with a degree like this? And as a pastor, I mean, you know, you hear stories of, well, you're going to have to go wherever God tells you. And that's going to be over in Tennessee or Florida or New York. You just never know. You know, it's not like just a regular nine to five job. It's there's, you know, there's tons of churches, but not every church specializes in that thing. Just a lot to think about. I don't know if that's where you are this morning, graduates. I I feel you. I've been there. I've done that. Uh, Some of you, your first, uh, your parents are experiencing first, you're moving back in with them because you know, still looking for your first home, first job. Understand that. But so I, I wanted to say all this to set the foundation of this morning, which is the first point, which is God has a way. And this is his way. Say this out loud with me, this bottom part. It's okay. No, that was terrible. Kindergartners can do better than that. All right, let's try again. Here we go. It's his way, not my way and that's okay yeah that was definitely rhymed on purpose so it's actually more than okay but okay that that just doesn't too many words so let's say it one more time it's not and that's okay what is God's way so the Bible is very clear do not be anxious but in today's 2019 life People are struggling more with anxiety than ever before. It's unreal. It's like, do not be anxious. And now people almost like pride themselves in how anxious they are. Oh, I'm so anxious. Oh, I'm so anxious. Did you know that people that spend more time on their phone create more anxiety in their life? Did you know that? And listen, here's the truth about the phone is that it's, uh, you get dopamine. So now, nowadays, the kids all say that's dope. And so we thought it'd be kind of funny to start saying that's dopamine because, yeah, whatever. <laughs> At least somebody got it in the room. But, you know, uh, we chase these sensations or these feelings because it gives us what we think at the time is going to be a release of that anxiety. But really what it does is it just chases you to the next buzz. So actually the the number one thing that people are addicted to in America is not drugs. It's really their phones. Like hardcore. Like so much so that when you walk in out of the way, walk leave the phone in another room, you're worried so much about what's going on, even though you don't care about it. That's what's so funny. 
is that I catch my Anna will say this all the time, and she's not here, so she can't defend herself. But don't tell her I said this. But she can hear it online. So whatever. Love you, babe. The truth is, like she she's like I hate Facebook, and then at night I see her. What's she doing? I just could just do without this. Or, you know, Instagram, tap, 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 tap. Some of you are like, I don't know what you're talking about. That's okay. But for most of us in the room, we understand that we are anxious because we are seeking first the wrong things. God has a way. It's not my way, and that's okay. What if we started doing things God's way? What if we sought first the kingdom of God? And what does that look like in our own lives? Dad, you know, jokes around. He says, you should put your face in the book before you get on Facebook. You know, that's, he says that. And I'm like, Dad, that's just like saying the God is good all the time. All the time, God is good. I'm like, we're, we're in 2019, Dad. Uh, but God has a way, and his way is very clear. The Bible says, do not be anxious. So, let me ask you something. In the Bible, when Jesus says not to do something, that is a command. That is not a suggestion. So if God's church wants to know why we're so ineffective, it's because we're so caught up in our own self. And and sin, anxiety is a sin. Now, listen, there is some stuff Anxiety is a cause of sin, right? So worrying about the thing creates anxiety. And yes, I do understand that there's things like depression and there are things that happen and sometimes people need medical attention. However, listen to what I'm saying here. God would never call you and demand something from you and command you to something that you could not do through his Holy Spirit. I'll say that again because that was a lot of words. God would never command you in the Bible, to do something or not to do something that you could not do through his Holy Spirit. For example, thou shalt not kill. He knows that you can carry that out through his Holy Spirit. Not just through me, but through him. So those who are struggling with anxiety, those who are struggling with fear and worry, through Jesus, you don't have to live a life like that. But in our society, we love to label things. We love to come up to the root of things. I mean, listen, guys, 60 years, of, 60 years ago, <clears throat> they didn't have the technology of scanning someone's brain or things like that. They just said someone died of old age. That's what they would say. Now, they'll go and scan someone who's 70 or 80, and they say, well, she has a brain tumor, and there's just no way to treat this, and then she, they pass away. We label things so much that we almost turn to science and we turn to man's methods over God's word and what God says that we almost forget and take for granted to seek for God first. So we look to medication. We look to medical device. Oh, I forgot. Where's the number one thing you look whenever you hear something? Come on. Let's just, yeah, let's Google. Or YouTube, which is owned by Google. I mean, for example, when we found out that uh, Nora was not born in San Francisco and they told us the city that she was going to be born in, 
what did the, I, I mean, I got, I didn't call somebody and say, hey, do you know where this city is? I didn't get in my Bible and say, God, tell me where this place is. I got on Google and I looked it up. Same thing. If you find out you got a diagnosis, you pull it up. And I tell people all the time, I'm like, if you don't want to know something, don't Google it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, in fact, when you find out you're pregnant, it's like you look up way too much. It's just like I tell people all the time, if a three-year-old in Ethiopia can raise a baby, you can too. Um, you'll be all right. Just love the baby and do your best. You'll be fine. But we seek other things first. Our heart, we are training our heart, our emotions, and our mind not to seek God first. So what if it was not necessarily going and seeking his word, which is something that we should do, meaning go and read the Bible. But what, what if we started asking God first? What if we started doing his way first? Not my way, his way first. How would that transform our life? Okay. The second point is God's way is also his will. How many of you in your life has heard, I just want God's will for your life, or you should be in the center of God's will for your life? Anybody heard that phrase? Oh, come on. Don't be shy. Raise your hand. Okay. I just want God's will for my life. I just want, I don't want to mess up God's will. Uh, when I was, uh, I guess when I was starting to think about spouses, which I guess is when you are in high school or whatever, not saying I was going to marry in high school or anything. I was just thinking like dreaming and praying for the significant other, which I know starts to happen when you start thinking about the opposite sex. So as I was thinking about that, I was like, what if I mess up? Anybody ever thought about that? It's like, oh my gosh, if God's will is not for me to marry this person, then I'm going to mess up that perfect person, and that's going to mess up that person's perfect person. It's gonna... Anybody ever had this thought before? Okay, I'm glad I'm not the only one that's crazy. God's way is also his will. So the reason why I'm saying this is because sometimes there's a lot of fear and anxiety about missing God's will when God's will is that we're not to be anxious. Okay? His way is also his will. And how do we know what this way is? Through, the, through scripture. And so someone says, I don't know what God's will is for my life. And I said, the Bible is very clear what his will is. Go and read in the Bible. If you ever want to know, God doesn't say, my will is to go to Africa. Or my will for you is to sell everything that you have all the time and give it to the poor. That's not always what God's will is. But the Bible is very clear. It'll say God's will is to feed the orphan, to take care of the widow, to follow his commandments. That is his will. Now, does that happen all the time? No, it does not happen all the time. God has, there's a difference between God's plan and his will. You hear me, hear me on that? God does not will and desire for people to die of these mass diseases or to starve to death because of malnutrition. But in, in the grand scheme of things, some of that happens, and it's because of sin. So God's way is also his will. So I'm trying to get this principle to you because you might not remember what it was like to be a recent graduate but maybe this can apply to the next season of your life, whether it be finding a new job 
or finding a new career path and you're terrified to death because you're afraid that you're going to, again, mess up the perfect thing that you have in your life and worried that if you went down this path and it's not going to be this path and it's not going to be that path and then the next thing you know it's like I'm not in God's will for my life and I've messed everything up and it's never going to be right again and I can't get back. I can't be the only person that's ever thought this. The truth is, is that when we do what God wills for us, which is his way, which is his word, what he commands us to do, we are exactly where we should be, when we need to be, and following him. If in your life all you do is listen and obey what God says to you in your life, step by step, then you are always exactly where you should be in your life. It doesn't have to be more complicated than that. Each day, his word says that his mercies are fresh every morning. If we knew, just like put that photo back up at the beginning, man. If we knew all the steps that it took to get to the top, a lot of us wouldn't even try. If I would have known that this, 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 and this would happen. I mean, come on, people. You know what I'm talking about. If, I'm not saying that you wouldn't still walk through the same journey and get to where you are right now. But if you knew what it took for you to get right now, would you have set out on that same journey? Many of you would probably know. So all we need to know is the first step, the next step in our life. And the way we know that is by listening and following God. His will is his way. What is his way? His way is seek first the kingdom of God. And all these things, the food, the what, your, your nourishment, your substance will be added to you. Now, this isn't one of those prosperity gospel things where you seek God first and then you have, a, you have a private jet. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm saying is that when you seek God first, don't you know that God has your best interest for you? Don't you know that he's going to take care of you? He's not going to look the other way and be like, oh, no, I'm not going to take care of Caleb over here. No, he loves us. Okay, the third point is God's way and his will must come first. Say that with me. God's way, oh, come on now. We're almost done. It's going to just take longer if we have to keep repeating this. All right. God's way and will must come not second, not third, first. If we want to see God's will in our life. If we want the anxiety of tomorrow to go away. If we want to live a life. And some of this isn't even like a bad thing, right? It's not like you're sitting here saying, oh, well, I want to be like the prodigal and go off and party all the time and drink it up and sleep around. No, that's not even what you're wanting to do. It's just like you don't want to mess up. I mean, anybody else have a fear of failure or fear of messing up? this thing called life, whether it being a mom or a dad or being a good grandparent, you always wonder. And you wonder, is this enough? Is this it? Just like I was like in that parking lot. Well, I guess that's it. We can have confidence knowing that we, in Christ, have more than enough on a daily basis minute-by-minute basis if we do this. God's way and his will must come first. 
So if his way is that we should seek first the kingdom of God, then it's simple. It really is this simple. When you are worried about something, take it to God. When you are doubting something, take it to God. Don't talk to your employees. Don't talk to your coworkers and go back and forth and build it up into something different. Don't go to Facebook. Don't go to Instagram. Don't go to Google. Go to God. His way, his will must come first. Otherwise, we will be anxious about this stuff. It's really simple. It really isn't that complicated. So for the graduates in this room, if you're going to college and you're worried about what your major is going to be, which may not be what you think it's going to be at the end, it's okay. You know why? Because I'm going to seek God first. I'm going to trust that he knows where I'm going. I'm going to trust, just like on that photo, let's go back to the photo, I'm going to trust that for every single step of the way, he knows how to get me there. And I'm just going to enjoy the process with him. I'm going to trust that even though this may have to go through a hard season, that even though I may get something wrong along the way, or seemingly wrong, that is going to lead me to where he wants me to go. Because at the end of the day, I know that he has the best prepared for me. And even if that looks like persecution, even if that looks like sickness, even if that looks like pain and suffering for a season, we know that God has the best for us, and it's through Jesus Christ, his son. If you think that, I mean, people talk about trying to live your best life now. Yes, I do believe that God, who sent his son and the Holy Spirit, lives in us. We can have kingdom and heaven on earth. But there's also hell on earth, too. Yeah? And I'm not saying that everything's going to be, you know, all that in a bag of chips and whatever other phrase you want to put in there. It's not, life is not going to be perfect. But when we put God's will and his way first in our lives, we can guarantee that every single day we are doing exactly what God has called us to. Because if he's first, everything else shall be added. Everything else will fall into place. Not saying it's going to be perfect, but all the things will come into place. If I would have known that I would be here with you today, back when I first started school, I would have told somebody, you're crazy. I would have thought I'd been over here doing whatever, fill in the blank. If someone would have told me that we would have been in San Francisco a few weeks ago adopting a little baby, I would have told you that you're crazy. But we're taking individual step by step by step by step, trusting that along the way, God knows what he's doing. I mean, let me ask you a question. Do you think that God knows what he's doing? Okay, that was a pathetic answer. Let's try that again. Do you think God knows what he's doing? Then why are we not trusting him? I mean, it's because of us. It's because of me. Because it's me first, not God first. I'm putting my fear, my worry, my emotion, my wants, my desires first. Instead of seeking first the kingdom of God. I'm not saying that God's not going to look at you and know the desire of your heart. 
and give that to you. I'm not saying that he won't give those things to you. But what I am saying is that when desires of our own heart become greater than the desires that we have from God's heart, we got it backwards. Now, I've got, you might be saying, well, Caleb, how in the world do I do this? Well, thankfully, there's an easy way to do it. And I'm going to bring back something that we haven't talked about in a few weeks. But it's the second to last slide. It's up and in and out. I'm going to bring this back around. So how? Some of you are like, I know what he's about to do. I know he's about, he's going to put the triangle up there. I know he's going to do it. It's up in and out. And our up is, say it with me. We live like Jesus. All right, we'll put it up on the screen. The up is we, that's right. If we live like Jesus, what, how did Jesus live? He put God first. He, even though he was God, still prayed. He, even though he was God, was in the garden knowing that he was about to be crucified. Talk about having a bad day. Knowing that he was about to be rejected by Peter. Knowing that he was about to be betrayed by Judas. Knowing that he even asked God to take the cup from him in Gethsemane. He still said God first. Your will be done. And he went to the cross. So we not only live like Jesus, say this one with me, we love like Jesus. A sacrificial love, one that puts others first. People talk about, this is the weirdest thing, man. I'm just telling you right now. We live in the weirdest world where some people are like, oh my gosh, people need to learn to, learn to love themselves first. And I'm like, no, you do not. No, we love ourselves very much. Now, I'm not saying that we like what we see in the mirror. Because, ladies, I understand there's insecurities there. I totally understand that. But we like ourselves a lot. A lot. So if you don't like what you see in the mirror, then what you say, what you're telling me is that the way that you think that you look or should look is more important than the way that God looks at you. So my insecurity is greater than God's, what he says about me. But you don't have to teach a kid to like himself. Somewhere along the way, we chose ourselves instead of choosing God. And so we don't put ourselves first. We put God first. And what does God do? He, he put, obviously God is first, but then he humbled himself. So humility is how we love. He gave of himself. He loved despite knowing people were going to fail. If you knew someone was going to betray you, would you still love them? I'm talking a good friend, too. Somebody that you walk with every day for three years. You knew he was going to betray you. Not just once, not just twice, but three times. And what did Jesus do to Peter after he rose from the dead? And he saw Peter, and you know Peter did not want to have this conversation with Jesus. What did Peter ask, or what did Jesus ask Peter? Do you love me? Imagine being Peter, putting his own worries, his own fears, his own life ahead of what Jesus would have been. Peter chose himself. But after that moment, Peter chose Jesus. Peter died as a martyr. 
And he said that he did not, did not deserve to be crucified the way Jesus was. And Peter was crucified upside down. That is seeking first. And sometimes we have to have that come to grips and come to reality time with Jesus before we can understand what it truly means to seek first. So if we, love like, if we live like Jesus did, if we love like Jesus did, and then we, say this last one with me, we lead people to Jesus. You guys, that's as simple as that. So for the college graduate that's worried about what life it looks like, if you do these three things, then I promise you, you are doing God's will. You are doing God's way. You are seeking first the kingdom of God. It is as simple as that. In your marriage, it is as simple as in your career, in your everything in life that you could possibly think of as being a parent. If you do these three things, I guarantee you that we are seeking first the kingdom of God, that we are putting God first, not ourselves first, that we are following his way, that we are following his will, and everything else will follow in place. And you might be thinking, that is way too easy. Yep. But it's also really hard because we really like ourselves. We really like our dreams and our goals and our visions. But you know what's interesting is that the human heart and emotions can really be molded and changed. So our desires truly can be God's desires. What I'm saying is, is that when we begin to change our thoughts and put God first and put what his way is at doing things like this, these three things, up in and out, when we start truly doing that on a daily basis, what we want is to see God, what God wants. And it changes us from the inside out. And it, it's so easy to want to have like checklists and do things like that. But this is the real work. Like, spoiler alert, if you do this, then you will have an abundant life in Jesus. Not saying you're built like, you know, you're going to have a rich life. That's not what I meant. Abundant meaning a life full of peace a life filled with the Spirit, a life of helping others and joy and, and completion, like, and f- like having heaven on earth. If you do these three things, you will have that. So the question is this morning, what are you seeking first? And I mean really, really seeking first. What is your greatest desire I'll tell you what, you can ask your kids and they'll tell you. You could ask your spouse or best friend. I'm sure they'll be able to tell you what you're seeking first. Or what if this magical little app on your phone tells you how many hours you spend a week on your phone? What if you just looked at your time, your resources? Where's that going? Because many times, what we seek first, the behavior will show in our life. So if you're in a place right now in your life where you're feeling anxious, where you're feeling like there's no way or 
maybe you're in a place where you're all about you, positive or negative, they both are the same. Maybe we need to seek first. Maybe we need to reprioritize our life to focus on God. And we don't have to climb all the stairs at once. It's just one step at a time. It's one day at a time. One moment at a time. I know people make sense, make fun of the WWJD stuff all the time. What would Jesus do? And, you know, somebody's holding a G- What would Jesus do? Bracelet on their arm and flick somebody off down the road. And, you know, I understand all that. But really, I mean, when you think about would Jesus love this way? Would Jesus live this way? And how can my actions lead someone to Jesus? Because if we do those things, we will see God's will accomplished in our life. So graduates, take that with confidence. Take that with boldness and know that if you follow those things, that no matter what happens when it comes to the day-to-day or wherever you end up, know that you will be accomplishing God's way and God's will in your life. Same thing for all the people who are further down the road what is the next first that you're going to experience in your life and the question is are you going to seek God first when you get to that moment let's pray God thank you so much for giving it very clear in your word that we are to seek you first and to seek your kingdom first I thank you for all the the people in this room and for what they've done and um, in their lives and I, I pray for each one of us that you would remind us often, frequently, about seeking you first and seeking your face first, far earlier than our own selves. As we leave this place, that you would remind us constantly to seek you first and that we can live the life that you've called us to by living like Jesus, loving like Jesus, and leading people to Jesus. That's what you've called us to. It's as simple as that. Have your way in our lives. Have your way in our homes, in our community. May our church seek you first. Not a building first. Not a program first. Not a service first. But God, truly, may Gratis Church seek you first. 